Saved it for this podcast yeah, yeah. because actually on the fourth of February, what else can you exactly. do? Exactly. We thought we could make we could designate fourth of February as Michael Moyner Podcaster <laughs> because we have Brilliant. this amazing interview coming up with uh, a very deep thinking man who has got some great mm. insights on uh, fresh expressions, particularly on uh, innovation, mm. um, which I know is something we talk about a lot in these parts. Um, but I heard, I mean, you know, I've been thinking about innovation for a, a few years um, and uh, and he said to me a whole bunch of stuff that I've never heard anyone that's say before. Cool. Oh, that's so, um, so I'm excited. I'm excited. The interview, as per usual, we don't let you have it straight away. No, no. You have to go through the pain barrier of me and Martin catching up. You have to wade through it. You have to wade through it's it. It's like so. we're going on a bear hunt. Oh, swishy, swashy, squudge, squudge. What are the sounds on the bear hunt? I don't know. What, what is, shouting them which bit of like? the walk in the bear swishy, hunt swishy. is listening to you and me a bit like? <laughs> I don't know. Squudge. Slurp, slurp. Somebody has your face for a locker, Martin. Oh, my goodness. Somebody, somebody has... Um... There's been some bad, badness. Do you know, state. so there's a bit of a running gag with my locker because people know the code. I don't think it's with your locker. I think it's with you. Yeah, all right. There's a... <laughs> basically, I can't... I'm too scared to change the code, <laughs> so I still have the sort of factory set code. Because apparently, if you if you forget mm. the code on our lockers, Nobody. you have to send them back to another country or something for reprogramming. Yes. Oh, it's unnecessary. So so, uh, so I am I, I'm stuck on that. But that means that people come and deface my locker, fill it with things. There was a morning where I opened the locker and a trap had been set inside, so that I was <laughs> they 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 scattered. Gold glitter oh, I that over one. me. Do you remember that? We talked about it on the podcast. Cloud, yes. The glory cloud. The, the glory cloud from Bethel uh, came. Um, and then there's been times I had an inflatable um, unicorn in there as a little gag, gag because I like them. Um, and then. Uh, but do you, I mean, genuinely, you're an adult. What do you need a locker for? Like, hang on. Well, like, what, what do you stash in lockers? Like, you've got a laptop, you've got your phone, you've got pockets. We have a clear you've got desk. A man bag. You have a clear desk policy. Yeah, yeah, so, what goes in your locker then? What, what is in there? I have, I have, uh, I mean, booby traps. Yeah, exactly. A can of deodorant. Um, books that people have sent me that I'm going to read one day. And, yeah, there we go. That's uh, and also, um, uh, yeah, a pin up of Tim Chadwick. Have you? Did you put that in no. there? No. The, the locker maniacs put that in the there. Locker ma- the locker maniacs. The locker elves. <laughs> oh no, we are looking towards Professor Rachel because we think she's the locker maniac. Apparently she's nothing to do with it. Oh, she's nothing to do with it. This time. But yeah, no, someone's oh. put a, um, a Tim Chaddick poster. That's a lovely. They made a poster of Tim That's Chaddick. That's lovely. And the reason why, I presume, is because... You love I, him. So a lot of people made jokes yeah, at the National him. Youth Ministry Weekend about my... That's quite starstruck. ...my use of the words, my friend. Yes. When introducing people. <laughs> did you keep saying my friend? I did. But I, they are my friends. Some, I mean, some of them are. Some of them clearly aren't my friends. <laughs> you still say my friend. Yeah, I know. I don't say my friend if they're not my friend. But they are my friend. We've had the friendship discussion. We have had the friendship discussion. It was very good. So, that's fine. You have a Tim Chadwick poster. That is good. We but I, I'm not... Just so, we, just so we're clear. Yes. I'm not obsessed with Tim Chaddock. No, not at all. I'm no, I'm not. No, Judge! I don't, I don't look at his face and, you know, <laughs> go all gooey-eyed. I don't, so just, just stop looking at me like that. Producer Rachel <laughs> is now. I don't, no, no, I awesome. don't. Anyway. Can we just be clear? Anyway. I'm not in love with Tim Chaddock. Okay, that's fine, officer. We'll move on, we'll move on. But I think it is time to crack on with this interview because it is an extraordinary one. Let's, let's introduce who this guy is. And I want to ask you a question first. Because you have said on this podcast a number of times, you've been thinking about innovation for a long time. So when you saw that someone has been thinking about innovation, does this part of you go, oh, I'm not going to learn anything from you? Or are you like, oh, someone else is thinking about it? Like, I genuinely want to know. Like, I, I want a moment of honesty now. The, the, the honest truth is that um, 
What happened at Youthscape with innovation is that um, I kind of sat down and thought about some ideas I had about mm. creating new stuff based on 10, 12 years in publishing and, and stuff. And then I started to discover that actually what I was thinking wasn't a million miles away from the way that people like Google mm. and, and, and others develop products and ideas. Which is amazing, actually. Well, no, 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 that sounds very self-aggrandizing. It's not. Um, I clearly massively sharpened up what I was thinking mm. by, by looking at what other people did. But I was sort of thinking along those lines anyway, because I actually think the reason for that is because innovation is just, is just common sense. Mm. It's an awful lot of it is just common sense about doing things properly, doing creativity properly. Mm. And so, um, so it's not, I, I'm not some sort of genius to have uh, thought this stuff up on my own. Um, but I sometimes, when I hear someone like this come along, I think, oh gosh, what if he just knows way more than yeah. I do, and actually I have been getting loads of things wrong. Um, I don't know if I've told the story on the podcast about when Chris and I went to Google. Have I told that story? I, yeah, I know it, but I don't know if you tell it on the Shall podcast. Shall I tell the story? Yeah, go on. I mean, I should tell the story. This is awful. It's very awkward. So we got a meeting with a really senior guy at Google. Um, Chris and I went to see him, and we had a fantastic conversation uh, for about five minutes until he asked us to show him our amazing innovation process that we come up with. And we did. And he said, oh, yeah, that's basically, that's just you just telling me what we already do. <laughs> that's just what we do. Oh, no. That's like the most basic version oh, no. of what we do. And then, I'm not saying it was a fake phone call, but he got a phone call and had to leave. And we were ushered out of the building oh, and no. found ourselves 10 minutes later in Pret-a-Manger, sure. um, drowning our sorrows with an almond latte. What I think is quite interesting about that story is that on one level, yes, maybe you have come up with something that's very similar to, to theirs, but I like the word intersectional because I think what happens here at Youthscape and what we're seeing across the UK and youth ministry where, where people and individuals take innovation seriously is it's not just creating new stuff for new stuff's sake. It's saying, what does mission look like when we think radically creatively yes. differently? What, yes. When we actually voluntarily look at our community and say, why do people here not know about Jesus? What are the barriers to that? So I think that probably there's another there's layers and levels that he just wouldn't have got. He wouldn't have understood any yeah, yeah, yeah. of that intersection. Well, yeah, do you feel better yet? I think no, a, little a little bit better. A little bit better. But um, I think there is something to our innovation process that Google can't have in the same way. Is it Jesus? Which is Jesus. Or, or the spirit of mm, Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, you know, because I think actually, um, although God works in all things, yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. and therefore works he through Google, Google. And works all that yeah. stuff, yeah. there's something different going on when you acknowledge that, yeah. and you ask him to participate, and you try and join in with what he's doing. Yeah. And so our innovation process is different to Google's, because every step of the way we're listening to God, yeah, we're asking God for inspiration, absolutely. we're praying, we're, we're getting those holy coincidences that happen, um, and so it is different, and it is, you know, yeah. I might be so bold as to say, potentially better. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, but anyway, when someone like Michael comes along, I just have the fear of being back in that room at Google, <laughs> looking into the whites of the eyes of someone who goes, you imposter. We've done that already. But, so this guy has written a brilliant book called Church in Life, Innovation, Mission and Ecclesiology. What is ecclesiology, very briefly? Yeah, it's church. church. Yeah. Like, churchology, isn't it, really? Yeah. Probably a church. And mission, brilliant. So where did you meet Michael? I met Michael in my house. Was it he my was in his He was in his own house at the okay. time. And we had uh, we had a Skype conversation. Exactly. So he does occasion, just to make you aware, a couple of the words get clipped okay. because uh, my internet connection. I went down to the budget one. <laughs> so that's, uh, apologies, podcast listeners. Brilliant. But this is a really great interview, friends. So uh, grab a coffee. If you're in the gym, maybe have a little sit down, a little thing. This is a really, really great one. Um, so here we go. This is when Martin met Michael. Well, I'm delighted uh, that my guest today on the Youthscape podcast is Michael Moyner, uh, who joins me live from Oxford. I think you're in Oxford, aren't you, Michael? Yeah, Martin, I am. I'm here sitting in Oxford. And uh, I'm glad I got that right, because you don't want to get the two cities confused. <laughs> uh, I know that I went to Cambridge, although um, although I sort of slightly went in the, the back door at Cambridge. I was at, uh, I was at Homerton College, which oh. is where you could... Um, you could train to be a teacher, yeah. um, but then you could tell everyone you went to Cambridge. 
That's right. My sister went there years and years ago. So um, she also got in through the back door. I mean, it's a real college. And the brilliant thing is now they've turned it into a completely kosher, normal college. So pe okay. people don't even know now. I, if I don't tell people, I shouldn't have. I don't know why I'm telling people this. This is a ridiculous yeah. thing to yeah. to reveal, well, really. Yeah, cut that off the podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, cut it off. <laughs> I can continue misleading people. Yeah, I would absolutely. So, um, so just give us some context, Michael. Um, for for those who don't know you, um, what do you do in Oxford? What's your role? Um, and then we'll get on to talking about your brilliant book. Well, thank you, Martin. Yeah, I'm based at Wycliffe Hall. I have an office there, and I look after some of their students, uh, pioneer students, but my salary is paid. Are you okay? Yep. That my salary, my salary is paid for by Fresh Expressions, which is an ecumenical organization that promotes new and different forms of church. And what I do is to write about and research all these very innovative ways of being a new Christian community that are emerging around the country. And uh, I'm really interested both in the theology behind them, but also in the methodology uh, and the processes of innovation that they use to come to birth. So we, um, we've heard a lot about Fresh Expressions over the last, uh, it will have been more than 10 years now, won't it? It's been around a while. Yeah. 14 years. Uh, and, uh, and so it was very exciting. It, it, it sort of started, I think I'm right in saying in the Anglican Church, but as has widened a bit beyond that? Yeah, it started grassroots up. People, Christians in the 1990s, early 2000s and since, just sensing that church as they knew it wasn't working for their friends. And so they began uh, new types of, of Christian community. They'd go out, listen to people, find simple ways to love them and care for them and support them, build community with them. And then in that context, began to share the gospel and then found new worshipping communities were emerging and people would start coming to these communities and say, well, this is our church. They wouldn't go to the church in the building, but they would come to these sorts of uh, new Christian communities that emerged. And so these emerged bottom up, but it was uh, an arch, uh, well, a bishop at the time in Wales, uh, Rowan Williams, who really spotted their significance and has done more than anything to encourage them within the Church of England. Uh, they were also emerging in the Methodist Church, and they were right in there at the beginning of the Fresh Expressions as an organization. Other churches, uh, denominations are finding the same, and they've also become involved. So, so what, what this can look like, um, there have been a few sort of high-profile examples of it um, in terms of there was a, a surfing church, wasn't there? Um, which was sort of they met on the beach and they went surfing together and then they, they met in a, a sort of a shack afterwards and had services. Yeah. Um, can it sometimes, yeah. so sometimes it looks like that. Can it sometimes look a little bit less, um, you know, uh, cool, maybe? Yeah, it, it's just incredibly varied. Um, so a friend of mine um, was meeting with a handful of uh, young adults who dropped out of church one of them was passionate about canoeing, so they advertised in the local media any families interested in canoeing meet us on Saturday afternoon at such a location. Uh, the families came, the, the, the core group paid for the canoes, they went canoeing together at the end of the afternoon, they might eat together, have a barbecue or something, and uh, one of the Christians would tell a little Bible story a uh, story about Jesus uh, to the kids. Uh, after a while, my friend said, um, tell you what, folks, on Tuesday evening, 6 o'clock, my house is open for food and stories for those who want to come. A group of six, eight or so gather in the house and begin a journey towards Jesus. They weren't churchgoers. Um, now, I don't know if that's cool or not, but it's uh, a, a, a new Christian community emerging around mm. someone's passion. It is. Um, it is still quite cool. I think C canoe okay. canoe church is still at the cool yeah, end of the spectrum. Cool. Okay, yeah. so let me try and find a less cool one then. Um, someone is um, uh, taking her kids to school. 
uh, meet uh, the parents at the school gate. Uh, they want to hang out together. So they meet in the school staff room. They have croissants and coffee and decent orange juice and so on. Uh, they look at some Numa DVDs just to get the conversation going. Uh, so they're talking about issues of life vaguely from a spiritual context. These folks aren't going to church. Um, after, after they've met for a couple of years or so, she says, hey, if you're interested in exploring this a bit more, I'm going to be meeting at another time of the week at 11 o'clock. We'll have coffee together and look at stories about Jesus. So a group of women meet there. They begin to pray together. They begin to worship together. And then they say, you know, this is brilliant. We love it. But it's hopeless for our kids because they're at school. It's hopeless for our partners because they're at work. We can't invite our friends. Can we do the same thing again, but on Saturday afternoon? And they do it on an all-age basis so that families can come on Saturday afternoon. Okay. So there you are. That, that, well, that's, that definitely feels more normal and accessible uh, for those of us that don't canoe. Um, but, uh, but, but what it seems to suggest to me is that um, this is a, almost a move away from the one-size-fits-all model of how to do it, how to fix the problem of uh, church, declining church numbers. So we, we long for the golden bullet, don't we? We long for the... Um, uh, the, the, the magical solution and certainly there are plenty of sort of mega churches that will try and sell you a, uh, a, a one-size-fits-all model but this sort of pioneering seems to go against the grain of that would that be right? <coughs> Martin you're absolutely right uh, it's definitely not one-size-fits-all and the reason for that is because these little communities they start with people uh, listening to the folks they want to love and serve and prayerfully finding a simple way to love people. You know, I often say to folks, you know, if you want a 21st century way of following Jesus, find a friend, find a simple way to love the people around you, build relationships with them, share the gospel in an appropriate way, and let a worshipping community emerge on the back of that. Mm. Well, now, when you start with love, you start with people. And yeah. groups of people are different. And so inevitably, what you do with one group of people will be very different to what you do with another group. Um, so because people are different, it has to be not one size fits all, but lots of different sizes. Yeah. So um, I feel like we're going to uh, talk, we're going to get back into this conversation in a minute. But, um, but let's just talk a bit about your uh, book, um, which is uh, Church in Life, Innovation, Mission and Ecclesiology. I've got that title right. You have indeed. Fantastic. Yeah. That's, I mean, that is a very intelligent title for me to even attempt to pronounce. <laughs> and I, I am, I'm somewhat worried. I think anybody listening to this who, who listens to the podcast normally, the idea of me talking to a learned scholar and academic, it feels like there's room for a car crash or at least some comedy. <laughs> but let's have a go. Let's have a go. Okay. So, um, so your book is around is looking at innovation. It's one of the key themes of your book, and that's really interesting to us because at Youthscape and on this podcast, we talk quite a lot about innovation. Um, I wondered whether, because you've just talked there, you've just started talking about innovation from a person-centric <laughs> perspective, and and one of the great critiques of innovation uh, and 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 using innovation thinking is that it's. It's almost, it comes from a world of starting with a product, starting with a, a market, <coughs> and, uh, and so it's sort of product development model. Um, so what, what do you, in its sort of simplest form, how do, you, how do you define, how do you think about innovation? What does that mean to you? Well, innovation, in terms of what it means, it's just starting something new. You either do that radically or you do it incrementally, but it's changing the rules of the game for doing something. Mm. Um, and um, uh, for me, I think I, I share that critique of quite a lot of the literature because it seems very um, mechanical sometimes. Um, and my experience of watching uh, people who innovate, but also reading some of the literature about it, is that it's much more organic. And what you've got is a number of different processes that all fold into each other, but you separate them out for sort of understanding purposes. But innovation fundamentally starts with dissatisfaction. Mm. People are dissatisfied with the status quo. Um, they may think that they can do something better, or they may just think it's not working. 
But that dissatisfaction is what really propels the attempt to find a new approach. And I think that's a really important thing for us to learn mm. because God often leads us through our senses of dissatisfaction. And for many church leaders and leaders in business and organizations, they, they don't like dissatisfaction. They think their task is to keep everyone happy. But what we actually need, if you want something new, you need some people in your organization, you need some people in your church who have a holy discontent, if you want to put it like that, mm. who have a prophetic voice. It's like, look, we can do better than this. Mm. And that, that makes me think of how um, quite a lot of the movements in um, arts and sometimes in politics yeah. and, and, and business and lots of other entrepreneurial thinking that happens and innovative thinking often comes out of a sort of situation where there is uh, hardship or uh, political oppression. So you'll see like amazing uh, cinematic revolutions coming out of regimes like Iran and, uh, and Eastern Europe uh, just after communism. And it's interesting how sometimes, as you say, I mean, a very profound sense of dissatisfaction is sometimes the catalyst for profound innovation. I wonder how we harness that as um, sort of growing up uh, now in a church which is, um, uh, it just feels like it's in a sort of slow sense of, of plodding decline rather than, um, rather than a, a, you know, it's not, it's not like being in under communist rule, is it, being in the church? It's, it's just, it's a bit more sort of, um, it's a bit more of a slow decline than that. So, um, so how do we get that sense of holy um, uh, dissatisfaction you're talking about? Well, I think a starting point, uh, and I totally agree with all that you've just said, I think a starting point is to affirm and encourage people who feel dissatisfied, encourage them to explore their dissatisfaction and explore whether they're different and better ways of, of doing whatever it is they're dissatisfied with. So if you've got someone in your church, for example, who's just dissatisfied with Sunday by Sunday worship, then my challenge to them would be, well, hang on, go and find a friend and explore together how it is that you might love people around you and start to build church with them mm. and let them become participants in that church. And I think there are a lot of people who've got potential energy for doing something new and fresh but they're held back because they think, oh, I'm not allowed to do it. People mm. will frown at me and so on. Or they lack confidence. And one of the key things for innovators, successful innovators have a sense that they can do it. And that confidence comes from working with a friend, yeah. or several people together, and, and feeling that your leaders are behind you and supporting you. That can really help you get over that line of lack of confidence. So yeah. encouraging people, encouraging them to try, experiment. It doesn't matter if it doesn't work. You know, the word experiment means that a whole lot of these things aren't going to, you know, lots of experiments aren't successful or fruitful. Mm. And that's part of the learning process. So mm. just encouraging people to have a go. So there's a real uh, there's a real encouragement there to any of us involved in leadership, and most of the people in involved in listening to this uh, podcast uh, will be uh, will be involved in leadership uh, at some level. Um, there's something there about permission, isn't there? It's about um, giving permission to innovative thinkers, and sometimes innovative thinkers will be those people who just have a million ideas, you know, about new things we could do. But as you, you're sort of saying that sometimes the innovator is also somebody who, who, who is the person who's brilliant at pointing out what's wrong with, uh, with what we're doing already. And it's about maybe translating that criticism into something more positive. Yeah, um, and that's a kind of a great way to respond to criticism. Can you do it better? Can you think of something better way of doing this? Mm. You know, how can we do that? How can we do it together or how can we release you to go and do it so um i think that permission is really important and pastoral support because when folks begin to explore and so on yeah they're going to hit roadblocks they're going to hit disappointments and so on they may be frustrated we we know there's something here but we can't quite see it we can't quite work out or we had this key person who we thought was going to really help us with this and now they've left and we've got to start all over again and in all these sort of disappointments to have 
someone you can go and talk to who understands, who loves you, who supports you, who um, asks the difficult questions sometimes, uh, who defends you. You can go to church leadership that don't really understand what you're doing, who mm. protects you and defends you and explains to them what you're about, who's your champion, if you like. To, to have that person behind you is really brilliant. Mm. So I would be saying to, to ministers, especially in church leaders, look, you don't have to be called to be innovators. What innovators need are good pastors. So if you're called to a pastoral ministry, provide pastoral support for your innovators in the congregation. Mm. I think that's massive. And I think in youth ministry, sometimes we're scared off by the term uh, innovation because we're worried that we're not very innovative. But perhaps one of the biggest roles we can play is is growing young innovators yeah. uh, because young, yeah. people, young people have uh, infinitely greater capacity for creative thinking um, yeah. than, than the rest of us, I think. So, you know, if, if I was leading a, a group of teenagers or young adults, I might be thinking to myself, can I suggest to them that they get into twos and threes and ask themselves, what can they do practically to love their friends? For example, if you've got uh, two or three people who love going to the cinema, why not get a group of your friends around you? You go to the cinema one Friday, the next Friday you eat together and discuss the film mm. from an ethical and spiritual standpoint. Mm. So this okay. is, it's not and, rocket and, science, is it? That's not, that's it, not hard. It's not hard. And the thing is, if people do things around their passions, they'll be confident about them. I mean, if you said to me, you know, go and start a dance group, my family would roar with laughter because they see me <laughs> dancing and I know I look stupid. So I'm not going to be confident about that. But if you ask me to go and get a group and discuss books together, I, I would love that because mm. I enjoy books. Mm. So it's all about building stuff around your passion. And then, and this is the brilliant thing about it and what makes it so Christian, instead of keeping this passion to yourself and a couple of other close friends, you share it with other friends and a wider circle of people. You say, come and join in with this. And you do it in a way that they probably never do before because you do it in a way that invites them to discuss things of ultimate meaning in their lives. Mm. And a lot of people don't always have opportunities to do that. And so let's talk about this film. What's it saying about you know, life and the purpose of life? You could even ask a question like this. If God existed... What would he say about that film? Yeah, and that's right. a brilliant question to ask because everyone can take part. It's not saying God does exist or something. It's mm. just saying to folks, let's jump out of our skin for a moment. Imagine that God existed. What would he say about that film? And that leads to a brilliant discussion. Are you a film buff, Michael? I sense you might be. Well, not hugely, actually. I'm just doing that because it's so much. I'd be more comfortable with, with books, probably. But you know, yeah, I'll go and watch films and so on. They're great. But, you know, you can do that. You could do that around celebrities. You know, if you've got a group of friends who are into celebrities or who watch a particular soap operas on TV mm. or friends who are into sport, you could just say, let's talk about what's been happening in the sport over the last week. Well, obviously, it's all about Chelsea and racism at the moment. Mm. So, you know, uh, so you, you have a discussion about that. If you've got a group of friends who are into politics, which I am, then you'd have a great discussion around, well, ad nauseam, around all the stuff that's going on at the moment. Mm, gosh. Well, I, th I hope that that's inspiring people just as you speak, because it does just start to break down quite simply what innovation could look like. So now I'm going to do something very, very dangerous, Michael. I'm going to try and reflect back to you what I think is one of the main points in your book. Well, and, uh, and given that you wrote it and given that <laughs> I'm not very smart, I'm, I'm worried about how this might go, but... Um, I, I think in your book, you talk about how um, uh, the, 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 the church's job uh, in culture is greater contextualization and that that requires innovation from us, not imitation. I don't know if I've got that anywhere near right, but if I have, can you try and explain what, what you, you mean by that? Well, Martin, that's brilliant. And uh, next time I write a book, I think I'm going to get you to write it because you just put in a few words where I've probably spent hundreds of pages trying to say it. <laughs> but um, you're absolutely right. If you, um, uh, if, let, let me just take an example. Let, let me take something like Messy Church. All mm. right. Now, if I try and do Messy Church 
here in my part of Oxford, it's probably not going to work. Uh, the language of Messy Church may not be right. Uh, the people are all really, really busy. Um, they don't want, in this particular part of Oxford, I'm thinking of where we did talk about trying to do something like this. Uh, people said to me, you know, we've got community coming out of our ears. We don't want more community. Okay? So, you know, that probably won't work. But if I sat down with the families in my local school, and I may be wrong about this, but I'm guessing. If I sat down with them and said, you know, why don't we do uh, pyjamas and pie or something on Friday evening? And why don't you get the kids to come in their pyjamas, ready for bed, get them to do their homework together. We'll have a teacher who's a Christian uh, who's available to give parents advice for how to support their children at school. After they've done their homework, we'll have a couple of quick good games, we'll then all eat together and then go straight to bed. Now, I think that that might work. I don't know. Hmm. I'd have to test it on people. We'd have to try it out. Families might say no, but I think they might say yes. Now, that would work for this bit of Oxford, perhaps, and it would be innovative because I don't know anyone else is doing that. And you see, it, it does all that Macy Church tries to do, get families together, but it does it in a way that fits the context. Yeah. And what I was trying to say in the book is because all our contexts are different, a little different, sometimes very different, what we do will always be different. Mm. It may be messy church tweaked, you know, so that you don't do the craft activities, you do something else instead, you go running instead. Um, but, but, or it may be radically different, like, what I've just suggested, which is very different to Messy Church. But you do it differently because it's a different context. And mm. that's why you have to innovate, because in order to fit your context, you may have to tweak what already exists or do something that's very different to what exists in order to love the people around you in that context. And, and so that, again, comes back to the, the starting point for innovation uh, being, being listening being aware of, of what is going on, you know, in your culture, in your community, uh, in the lives of young people, what God is doing at this time. Listening is, is sort of all important at the start, isn't it? Yeah, and, and, and you see, this is what Jesus did. You know, throughout his life, basically, Jesus had to learn how to be a human being. And he listened to people. Right, the first thing we read him doing as a 12-year-old was listening mm. to the adults in the temple. But all through his life, he listens. When the Phoenician woman comes, uh, if you read the story, I think it's in Mark's Gospel, he's been into the Gentile territory. He healed the man who had demons. They all asked him to leave, so he goes back to, to uh, Israel. Uh, he then crosses over the border again, but says to everyone, don't tell anyone I'm here. He's having a meal. The Phoenician woman comes and basically says to him, tell you what, you know, can you, you know, just leave me a few crumbs? I'm a Gentile, but at least leave me some crumbs. Mm. And when she says that to him, he begins to think, hang on, my ministry is not just for Israel, it is also for the Gentiles. And then mm. a couple of chapters, I don't know if it's the next chapter or two chapters later, we read that he goes back to the Gentile territory, and this time he's given a great welcome. Mm. So Jesus was learning, in this case, from a Gentile woman, how to do his ministry. <laughs> and the thing is, if Jesus could learn, whoa, then we have to learn. And Absolutely. the only way to learn is to listen. Yeah. And one of the things that stops the church connecting with people and being innovative is that people aren't willing to spend the time listening because that spends, that requires time. It requires you to build relationships. If we were going to do what I've just suggested for families, I would have to get to know all the person who was doing it. would have to make sure that they knew the families roundabout well enough to be able to ask them for their ideas mm, and for yeah. them to tell in response, look, Mike, your idea is a really stupid one, but if you did that, we yeah. might be interested. That You've got to have good relationships with that. That takes time. It takes effort. And many people, I'm sad to say, in the church, they want mission on the cheap. They want the magic bullet, as you mentioned at the end. They don't want to put the effort in. They don't want to put the time in. So they say, give me a formula that I know will work. Yeah. So, I don't, you know, I can do it quickly. You can't do it quickly very often. 
No, and, and the other, I guess, my own dissatisfaction, my own interest in innovation has really come out of quite a lot of years seeing people launch half-baked ideas um, on, on the basis that they've had a great idea in the shower uh, or, or, you know, or somewhere else, but they've sort of had that, what they believe to be their eureka moment. And they've said, I know what people need. I know what will make the difference. Uh, you know, these days, it's usually the answer is an app uh, for young people. Um, but we usually, you know, that there's a, uh, a starting with the idea rather than starting with the opportunity before that. Yeah, and that's a brilliant example because we've just produced an app. Here's the... Um, Hang on a second, uh, Michael. My, my parcel has arrived. Let's oh, just... We okay. can pause right there. That's a great moment to stop. You just go to the door. It's here. Got it. Thanks. Right. Okay. <laughs> that was that. Okay. Uh, so I'm just saying we've just produced an app called FX Guard Send, or which you can download and it's free of charge. It'll tell you how to, you know, start these new Christian communities and so on. But in in doing this, and it's got a whole section on innovation within it. But in doing that app, we spent two or three years actually talking to people, and we we thought we knew how to do it, and then we listened to the young adults. And they said, what you've just showed us, we showed them a dummy of a, of a video. They said, it's, it's far too long and it's far too boring. We only want, you know, videos of one and a half minutes. You know, this is three minutes long. It's far yeah. too long. And, and, and our app look, emerged, emerged because we had all these conversations with people. It took us two or three years. Mm. That's, uh, it's very interesting. There's a lot of assumption around video, particularly. With, it's worth talking about video because it's such a massive area of innovation for young people. Uh, something like 80% of teenagers say that watching YouTube videos is their favorite thing to do. Um, and uh, and so I can understand why we're all rushing to make films for young people. Uh, but as you say, uh, actually, the, the, the length of time that teenagers are prepared to watch a, a film for is about a minute and a half. And so um, we may be jumping in, jumping ahead with all sorts of assumptions um, without actually listening to the voices of the people we're trying to reach. Yeah. And Martin, there's a really important spiritual issue here, because the way you describe these innovations that you'd watch that never really come to birth is exactly what I've seen time and again. And what happens is people have their fixed idea and they're not willing to give that idea up. Yeah. And yet what we have to do is when we listen to people, we have to be willing to give up our idea or to allow them to change it. And that's a, a sort of act of giving. It's an act of grace, if you like, where we give ourselves to the other pe people, they give, give our idea to the other people, and we let them reshape it and change it and mold it. And, you know, this is what Jesus did. You know, he came up to earth, and as the Son of God, he allowed human beings to shape him and mold him. His mm. parents shaped him. Yeah. When he was growing up, the, the synagogue shaped him. What he heard shaped him. This Phoenician woman helped shape him. And, and, and he gave himself to other people. And this is, a, a, if we want to be like Jesus, we have to do the same. And listening is the process of giving ourselves to other people so that they can begin to shape us or at least shape our thinking. And that requires a disposition of heart that is often very different to those who are saying, I've got the formula and I'm just going to do it here, irrespective of whether you like it or not. Well, I don't need to ask you, it worked over there. I can assume you're the same as them, so we'll just do it. Hmm. That is very unfair on the people you're working with. Yeah. You're stereotyping them. Yeah. You're saying, yeah, sorry, you're just the same as everyone else. Well, they may not be. Have you asked them? Do you know? So, um, Michael, your, your book is, uh, is wonderful, but it's also quite, quite long. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm asking you to do quite a difficult thing here by praising any of it. Um, but you... <laughs> You, you talk about six stages of innovation. You've already talked a little bit about uh, dissatisfaction. That was uh, maybe a starting point for innovation. Um, but you also talk about uh, uh, five others. Um, yeah. Can you talk us through, can you, can you do that in, in, you know, in a brief form? Can you talk okay. us through that process? Well, first of all, if you go to the FX Godsend app and you look down the content section, you'll find that there's a, 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 section, a unit called innovation. And if you clip onto that, 
you will find there's um, a, a, a guide which you can read in four minutes and there are a couple of uh, longer videos in this case that describe these six processes. So if you want something quick, there it is. Great. But the six processes, if I give the headings, are first of all dissatisfaction, there's a process of exploring, there's a process of sense-making. You tell stories that make sense to the people you're working with. You know, the folks you seek to reach or your colleagues and people you're, you're, you're collaborating with. So sense-making. You're trying to make sense of what you're doing. The, the storytelling is really important. Um, and the story has to connect with the interests of the people you're working with. The fourth process is the way these stories amplify and, and spread. Uh, the fifth process is what we call edge of chaos, where you stand on the boundary between uh, being very orderly and being very uh, introducing so much change that it becomes chaotic. You don't mm. want to be so orderly that you're stuck in a rut, nor do you want to introduce changes so fast and so quickly that everyone feels confused and out of control. You've got to stand on that borderline, and that keeps you fresh, and that means that as you innovate, because you are open to further changes, your innovation can move forward and you can get the full potential from that innovation. Mm. And so often innovations freeze at a certain point. They don't progress until they don't realize their full potential. Mm. So this fifth process is edge of chaos. And then the sixth one is the transformation that occurs as a result. Mm. And all those processes, they overlap and they happen simultaneously, but you can break them down like that uh, to recognize these six processes that are involved. Mm. And um, when you think about uh, youth, I don't know how, how much you know about youth work, youth ministry uh, and young, young people, but um, do you feel like all of this applies to uh, youth ministry as well as, um, you know, developing church for, for perhaps adults? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. If, I mean, I, I, I'd be the last person you'd want to run a teenage group or a young adult group. I'd probably have to use this at it. But if I was doing it, I wouldn't be getting them all just to come and sit at my feet and we'll have a nice discussion. That's yesterday's model. Hmm. Today's 21st model is you get them to go into pairs and threes to find ways of building community with their friends with a spiritual issue involved, like I described, a simple way of loving the people around them, building relationships with them, and sharing the gospel. And you get them to go and do that during the week. And then when they come together as the youth group, what they're doing is to come together to share what they're doing and to learn from each other. So basically, this is discipleship on the job. Yeah. They learn by doing. And the accountability happens when they come back to the whole group and describe what they're doing and people can ask each other uh, why it is that they're doing that, learn from each other and perhaps occasionally check and challenge what they're doing. That's a much more dynamic way of doing this, much mm. more dynamic. Mm. Now, look, this, this is wheels within wheels, but you're sort of suggesting a model of youth ministry which is itself a sort of dynamic uh, generator of other models of youth ministry. Um, which, if I can get my head around yeah. that, so you, you're almost suggesting we, we, you know, the very act of getting young people together to think about how they reach their friends is in itself discipling those young people. Absolutely, because what I'm suggesting is that 21st century discipleship looks like this: you find a friend. Most of us think we have to be disciples on our own. You know, we come to church and then we go and do it on our own. No, find a friend and a passion of your life. Find a simple way to love people around you, build relationships with them, share the gospel in that context, and encourage a small worshipping community to emerge where you are. If you do discipleship like that, it's full-blooded, kingdom-based discipleship. What's the kingdom about? About listening to people and loving people. What's the kingdom about? Well, if it hasn't got community at the heart, there's something wrong. What's the kingdom about? You're sharing the gospel. What's the kingdom about? You're helping people to learn and worship God together. All the aspects of the kingdom are there in that model of discipleship. But what you've done is to bring together the great commandment to love people with the great commission to make other disciples. Why is it 
that people are getting spare about how do we make disciples? How do we make disciples? And church leaders are all sort of asking the question. The answer is because they spend all their time trying to do it in church. You can't make disciples in church. You can only make disciples on the road. That's what Jesus did. Of course, there were times when he withdrew with, with his disciples, equivalent to us withdrawing on Sunday. But most of his disciple making was on the road. He taught them as he traveled and as they saw him. Uh, making disciples and they helped in that process so it's learning on the job wow. and what we need to be doing is is teaching in in, in the case of teenagers and, and young people teaching them to do discipleship in this practical way to learn how to do this on the job with some nice supportive adults and other young people around them to encourage them and help them you've you've dropped a few bombs there michael i think people are gonna have to come and listen to this twice um I, one last thing I want to ask you about, actually, um, and this is um, this is slightly showing my workings out because this is the sort of conversation I might have with you off off the record, as it were. But I just figure lots of people will be interested. So um, you may be aware that the Soul Survivor Festivals, which have been a huge yep. staple in the youth ministry calendar, um, come to an end in mm. summer 2019. And, uh, and Youthscape, uh, among some other organisations, are looking at what comes next. And, uh, and we've sort of been commissioned um, by, by Soul Survivor and, and by Arch the Archbishop of Canterbury um, to, uh, to go out and try and figure out what the next uh, big gathering, summer gathering for young people looks like. And I think that's our, that's our one given is that we do want to get young people together in one place. Um, but uh, you may you may have an immediate idea for how that could look vastly different to what's gone before. But how do you think we should go about discovering the new uh, the new thing, the thing that comes next uh, in in summer for young people? If that's the one kind of boundary, is we want to take a place, create a place where youth leaders can take their young people away and gather in a large group of Christians. Um, what what? How do you even go about that? Well, Martin, if I was in your shoes, um, what I would do is to, I think bringing young people together is brilliant for all the obvious reasons, but I would have a new focus. And the focus is to teach young people to be disciples in this 21st century way that I've described. Mm. And I would be saying, we need to bring these young people together so that they and their leaders can learn this very simple approach. Love, you know, find a friend, love people around you, build community with them, share the gospel, let a worshipping community arise. It's all on, on the FX Godsend app, the way to do that. I would bring people together in order that they can learn and be inspired to do discipleship in that 21st century way. And the reason I would think that that has potential, and then I'll say something, uh, the reason I think that has potential is if you think of generations of young people coming out, learning being inspired to do this in their schools, in the universities, in the colleges, uh, in their workplaces and so on. If you think of the generations of, of young people learning to do that, think how the church will be different in 50 years' time. Hmm. Just think of that. So that would be my hypothesis. Hmm. And then, to be consistent with all that I've said, I would then explore that with other young people. Hmm. Uh, so Saints Alive, I'm sure, would be into something like that and other youth organizations. And if there's a coalition, it wouldn't necessarily be all of them, but a Scripture Union will be there, I'm sure. If there's a coalition of some youth organizations who really got that vision, then I would take it forward. It's great. It's great. Thank you. Michael, your, uh, your book is uh, Church in Life, Innovation, Mission and Ecclesiology. If you're interested in any way in this area, it's a fabulous book. Uh, and just... Because you've said it a few times as well, um, the app sounds a bit complicated. Can you just sort of spell it out for us how how we find this? Yeah, it's 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 a very it's very simple actually. It's called FX Godsend, G O D S E N D. Um, you can get it from any app store. It's free of charge, and what it's got are, are uh, seventeen different units on how to start these new types of Christian community. It's got an overview section with five units. Each unit will take you 10 minutes. 
no more. Uh, each unit starts with a, a cartoon animation, which is one minute long. It has a four-minute written guide. It has two or three one-and-a-half-minute videos, and it has some discussion questions. We're about to put the written guides onto audio, uh, onto audio files, and that will happen in the next couple of months. Michael Moyner, you have been fabulous. Thank you so much for giving us so much to think about. And I think all of us secretly want to see you dance as well, just to see, <laughs> just to see how bad, how bad I'll, it is. I'll dance if a thousand of you go and buy this book, all right? Even more, <laughs> I'll dance if you download the app, because I think you'll find that helpful. But brilliant. I love chatting with you, Martin. Thank you. Thanks, Michael. The Youthscape Podcast. Wow, lots to process there. And just towards the end of that interview, you might have heard the door open, although it's not live. And our CEO has walked in, Chris Curtis. He must have known that a podcast recording was happening. Do you have like a little alarm system that when like interesting conversations are happening in the building, you're like, good, good, good. I must be there. Kind of. I actually have an alarm system specifically about you and Martin. <laughs> And wherever you are in the building and whatever you're doing. Why? I mean, it's born out of experience. <laughs> I'm still in special measures, people, for my inability to use drugs. <laughs> anyway, welcome, Chris. You've heard that interview about um, innovation. One, one of the things that Martin Ren, Michael raises is whether the word innovation is still a helpful word to use. What, what's your sense? In, in, in the UK with the youth ministry community, is this still a word that we need to mine a bit longer? What's your feeling? I, I don't really want to get hung up on the language. I think if it's a useful word, it's a useful word. Um, but quickly, often words um, change and, and evolve in their meaning. I think uh, at its heart, people are saying, I know youth ministry needs to be different. Mm. How do I go about making it different? You can call that innovation or you can call that anything you like, but that's the journey that mm. we're going on. Mm. The danger is it can sound like it's not very person-centred, it's product-centred. And what I like about what Michael talks about is that often the prophetic innovators are those who actually are the voice of dissatisfaction and dissent. And how often do we as youth workers and youth leaders really call those voices out, mm. call the innovators out of our young people, out of our volunteers, out of ourselves? Or do we just sort of... When we feel uncomfortable about something, we kind of self-blame and think, oh, well, you know, I need to just hide that and just try a bit better. Well, actually, maybe we could lean in a little bit more to the yeah. satisfaction. I, I think um, <clears throat> you think of any youth group, my youth group, looking at their faces, there is often a profound sense of dissatisfaction. <laughs> is it an innovative dissatisfaction? Uh, amongst those young people. And, I, and uh, do you know what I sometimes leap to is entertainment. Mm. I think, oh, gosh. These kids, those three over there are not engaged. Mm. I need to entertain them more. And that is, if you know me, that's folly, isn't it? Mm. I can't be more entertaining. So instead, maybe I should be looking at those young people and saying, are they my potential innovators? Mm. Should, should I be fostering uh, creativity, new ways of doing through them? Should I be sitting with them and saying, how should this be different? Mm. I mean, said, Michael found a way of saying it non-aggressively, but it's almost saying to, to the young person, okay, you're, you're not engaged. How would you do it better? Mm. What could you? What would you do differently? Do you think that we quickly jump because we don't want, because we don't like feeling this is not working? Particularly if this is our paid role or we've been investing as a volunteer, we don't want to be part of something that's not working. And so, being the one that says this isn't working, what can we do differently? I mean, you've got to be really brave and bold yeah. to be able to start that and allow the naysayers, who you feel the naysayers, to say, "Well, I think you should be doing this differently." Like, how do we get beyond? just that it's not working to really great ideas that can bring about change. Yeah. How, yeah. how do we tell the difference? Well, dis, I mean, I think that the flip here with Michael is you're seeing dissatisfaction as a really positive thing. Mm. So rather like we've, we've redeemed the idea of failure, haven't we? We've started to talk about failure as a thing that you learn from. Um, so, so I think traditionally we'd have, you know, inherently we'd all been terrified of failure. I think now, um, you know, we're starting to think a bit differently about that. I wonder if dissatisfaction is another helpful word mm. for us to redeem. And actually for us all, you know, in this life, in this world, with suffering and pain all around us, with a culture that, you know, is offering us, as Chris Curtis said at the National Youth Ministry Weekend, a meal of death. Which is one of the best lines of the whole weekend. You know, surely we should be fostering a sense of dissatisfaction. It's not just, you know, let's invite young people to adventure. Also, let's invite young people to feel dissatisfied. Mm. And that means, therefore, as leaders, 
being vulnerable, you know, vulnerable about the fact that we're going to fail and that could be, a, that doesn't need to be a bad thing. Mm. And, and vulnerable about the fact that, that this might need to be a bit fluid and something's not, not going to work and young people are sometimes going to say to us, yeah, that, I, don't, I don't enjoy it when you do that at all. Let's do something completely different. Well, I, I think, uh, yes, what you're, what you're talking about is, I think, starting to try to find a, but this sounds a little bit highfalutin, but a, a theological language to explore innovation and, and to not be afraid of it, to not see it as a negative thing. Um, and, uh, and then to begin to go on a journey and say, well, what, what, how can we grow this? That's where I think people struggle because thinking differently is a, as I think, as we've, as we've found here at Youthscape, um, and, and learning how to look at models and reevaluate them and develop alternatives. That's like a muscle that mm. you discover is there in all of us, but is rarely used, particularly if you've done the same thing for a long time. And it's quite difficult. You need often need a bit of help yes. to try and get that muscle working again. Yes. I think as well, doing, doing it well means that you're always asking yourself, what is the end goal? So here's my little AW Tozer moment for the podcast. Oh, here we go. Right, this is so your one for the week. You can't do any more. So Tozer talks about how so often our prayer life is we pray in such a way that our great goal is God patch them up, whereas actually interceding for somebody is, is sort of walking them through to the point where they absolutely connect with the very life of God. Mm. And I think that having that as a goal for our innovation is actually my goal is I want this young person or this community to really connect with the very life of God. And so actually my innovation is pushing us towards that rather than just how do we patch up this young person mm, and, and, mm. and make this thing work a little bit better mm, and make it mm. succeed a bit more. Actually, if we really are going to dare to that point, then this work in this new muscle and pray in a different way. I think if we really innovate, we learn to pray differently, don't we? It kind of is hand in hand. There we go. You're quite pleased People with that, are stunned you? and shocked. <laughs> or, Rachel. Or asleep. No, I, what, I, what I don't know is I, it appears that someone bought Rachel a book. <laughs> Because the number of Toza quotes that we get um, on the podcast now yeah. are, are going through the stack. <laughs> I wonder though, in fact, is, is there a daily, there a daily is there Toza. an AW Toza there desk is. calendar? Is that what you've got with, with tear off post it notes? Yeah, every night. My and you go, Kindle. this is what I'm preaching tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I love it. I'm always ready. I'll be going to sit on the board of trustees somewhere. I'll be giving this little holy thought from what's Toza said today. Oh, right. Yes. We've all been there. We've all done it. Anyway, Chris, as well as coming to check that there is some vaguely sane stuff coming out of our mouths, you have come to tell us about something very exciting. And it's, again, it's about... Sorry, I was going to do a really good segment. Oh, no, you do, you do a good segment. Well, no, 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 it's fine. We'll leave it in. It's fine. We don't need to edit it. It's more work for Rachel. I was just going to say, having talked about innovation needing a theology, Chris, well, funny you should mention that. Well, no, I do, I do think if there are youth workers sitting there thinking, I kind of, I know, I know I want to explore what different, what, what I can do differently, but I need a theological construct for that. And I need to know how you, how you go about um, purposefully mm. uh, developing new models and evaluating them. That's something that has been, well, we're, we're, we're in the thick of that here at Youthscape. And so... For about the last uh, year and a half, we've been in close discussion with the team at London School of Theology. And uh, those of you at the National Youth Ministry Weekend will have noticed we launched for next Easter a special course around innovation with a particularly strong theological bent to it that's going to run over five days, uh, just over the Easter holidays. It's a new program. It's accredited by the University of Middlesex, so you actually get some credit, and I mean that in the uh, in the More uh, financial. Yes, um, <laughs> and not just people being happy. Oh, actual <laughs> university credit. Not handmade um, certificates. But um, it's it's a space in which we want to help youth workers, volunteers, those engaged around youth ministry, want youth ministry to be to be different, to come together and find. The language, the tools, the biblical basis on which that can happen. Superb. And so you, people... you say, sorry, you say this next Easter. You mean yeah. this Easter? You mean like well, two months time? I mean, how many Easters are you working ahead here? Well, I working know, I, one. We're not launching this in 2020. No, we're launching this this Easter or next Easter. I mean, Easter. We're it's launching Easter. it in Easter. It's like two months time. It, it's uh... Today it's February the 4th. Yes. 
So in like two and a half months' time, it's Easter. Correct. That's so when right. are the exact dates? Well, it's the 1st to the 5th of uh, April. It runs Monday to uh, Friday. You can be in residence at LST in, wow. uh, in North London, or you can commute. We're going to have a day that will be up here at Youthscape at View Mills. Uh, there's going to be a, a, a huge team teaching and taking the week, the, the week of, of uh, stuff through. There's going to be practical uh, uh, challenges. There'll, there'll be um, theological in, insight. Lots and lots of things going on. And who is this for? Like, like uh, you know, most broadly, yeah. uh, you know, who, who might find this interesting, who might not immediately be listening and think, hell, that's for me? Yeah. Well, first and foremost, if you are working with young people professionally, full or part-time, uh, this is the perfect bit of professional development. And we've squashed it into a week, so it's, a, it's an intensive programme, because I actually think in people's lives over Easter, that's an easier time to put to put aside rather than travel once a month over a period of time somewhere. So we've, we've intensified it. But I think whoever is thinking about the shape of youth ministry as a volunteer, as a church leader, I think they're also going to have some interest in, in this course. I think they're going to find it a really fertile place to, to, to get together and think creatively. So you come out the back of that feeling that you've got a biblical understanding of innovation, you've got the practical tools to innovate, and you've actually started that process. I have to say, actually, if you go to your line manager or your, your church leader, if you're a church-based youth worker, of course, the assumption will not be that all youth ministries are church-based, you might be schools-based, working for local authority. But if you go and say, this is what I want to go on, it's a way of actually up-leading within your church organisation. Because actually, it's sort of setting out your stall and saying, the kind of youth ministry that we're going to do here, we're going to do it slightly differently. We're going to take a new Absolutely. tack. So I think it's a very positive message to the organisation. I, that I think you could go back if you came on the course and do mm. some of the training with your yeah, youth fantastic. team. So you might play out some of the exercises yeah. and material back okay. in your home church mm. and take the church on a journey. That could be very powerful. That's extraordinary. And one of the things that came out from the, uh, the National Youth Ministry Weekend with the, the coaching of youth workers was many youth workers feeling that kind of professional development piece is missing. So here's a wonderful thing to get involved with. So how much does it cost? What's the what's Well, the it's, um, it's, uh, it, it depends whether you want to have it accredited. So there's an option where you can go and take the course but not complete any of the written work associated with it, and that won't be marked. So you won't get the, the university credits. Um, and that, the early bird offer on that is... Uh, in the past. In the past, thank you. I was just getting to that. Um, that's £300 for the week, um, and it's 500 if you want to take the accredited route. It runs the 1st to the 5th of April, and LST have got uh, a webpage dedicated to this where you can apply, and it's lst.ac.uk slash youth work. Fantastic. Very, very good value for money. And you'd have to pay extra if you want to stay on site, don't you? Just yeah. to make that clear. It's yeah, a little, an, a humble additional cost. It is, a, it is a very reasonable cost at which to have your room at the college for the week. Fantastic. And so, as you say, a fantastic opportunity for some professional development. Uh, it is uh, 1st to the 5th of April 2019. And uh, if you want to find out more about it, uh, you can visit the website lst.ac.uk slash youthwork. Thank you very much. Right, I think it's time now for our shout-outs. We have a new list of shout-outs, don't we? We do, from a few weeks ago, yeah. Fantastic! Oh my goodness, we're jumping all around the place today. So who have we got on our shout-out list? Uh, so it's hello to Sarah Paguera. And if, we, if we've got your surname wrong, honey, we're really, really sorry. Just get in touch. And of course, Dan Randall and all the oh. wonderful people at Pays. We love you up in Neverly. Dan Randall is the phrase that pays. <laughs> uh, Westy and Connor in um, uh, uh, Berkshire, mm -hmm. I think. I'm not, not quite sure Reading covers it. Reading area. Westy and Connor. <laughs> and then, that's uh, me. Actually, Aaliyah Pikes, and I love this podcast again because we're talking theology. And She's Aaliyah, always loved it. And she, you champion theology like no one else. So, Nazarene College, Youth Ministry Cohort, Robin Smith, you guys, we love you up in Manchester. We think you're phenomenal. We think you get an extra credit if you, yes. if you listen to the podcast. Yes. That's, we think uh, you I don't know how many credits we can give away. 
I think we can give as many as we like. Yeah, they're, yes. not, they're not real, like Monopoly credits. They're not real, they're like little tokens. They're entirely worthless. Uh, one last thing to say, if you enjoy this podcast, it is completely free, but you could, for the price of, I don't know, like, what is it, what does even 79p buy you? Um, like a, a, do you know what that is now? It's a Mars bar in a corner shop. Is it, is it yeah. 79p in a Mars bar in a corner shop? Mars bar in a corner shop, 79p. So go without that. There's probably one next to your church that you nip out at lunchtime and go, I'll have a Mars bar. You do that at least once a month. Don't do that. Support our podcast uh, by visiting patreon.com forward slash youthscape. And if you subscribe for just a dollar a month, is that the minimum or is that just, that is the, that is the minimum. Uh, if, you, uh, if you want to give us more, that's great. That will support what we do uh, and you'll get exciting podcast extras a week in advance. You'll get video content. Occasionally, producer Rachel might even post you something. Uh, so it's well worth doing. But if more than that, it would really show us your support and prove to us that people are listening to this thing. That would be great. That's amazing. Uh, so it's patreon.com slash So have a very happy 4th of February, whatever is happening today. And I'm going to go away now and get some holy discontent going. Yeah, so you're dissatisfied. Yeah, I am dissatisfied. I'm going to go and agitate. Bye-bye! And we are recording now. Okay.